Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello, everyone. This is Brian Courtney, and I am with Short Bus Debate Club. So is Darren Jolly, who's sitting over here. Indeed. Um, so we are going to continue the tax talk, sort of, um, and we're going to do entertainment. Before we jump into that too much, I just want to clarify one thing. Like, I know siloized is not a word. Um, <laughs> somebody said something about that? No, nobody said anything. It just... I said it initially because I was trying to use a word that demonstrated the fact that they keep all of these things separate and, and like to where it sounded like they built them separately on purpose, which I guess silo does the same thing, but I, I, I think that you're Shakespeare. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say yeah, is I know I'm not Shakespeare yeah, making up words. Um, but there are words that, like when I was doing all my undergraduate, when I did the undergrad, so transnational was a word that I used a ton, right? So I had to use words like transnationalization because it was a process. It was a process that I was talking about. So it would like become verbal at some point. I mean, not verbal. It would be yeah, verbal in the sense that it would be like a verb, you know? Yeah. So siloized, I mean, because because to say silo, there is a silo. That's one thing. But when you're saying it's sort of like this constant process where people are being allocated to very specific, or they're lo they're located or relocated within these specific. Here, so. Well, that's why we're supposed to say siloed. But and I knew that. But here's the thing: is that like I had used it twice, and then all of a sudden you started using it too, and by the time. I thought, well, let's back off to siloed. I thought, fuck it. We're already, you know, halfway down the road and we've been using it and it sounds right. So let's just continue. We verbalize, <laughs> siloize. If it makes sense, that's why language is living. I mean, it's 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 alive. I mean, and I, don't, I think that if, if a word has not been created, but it makes sense in the context of and you're adding, you know, prefixes, prefixes and suffixes, and then, you know, you make it past tense or future tense or, you know. Right. And then we could, like, if we broke down barriers, we could say de-siloized. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. See, look at this. This is what I'm talking about. Yes. It's, when I did the transnational thing, these were all words that had to, you know, they had to come into being. So, and while we're trying to break through these barriers, we are innovating on a word like silo. <laughs> I'm so fucking clever. I can't even <clears throat> help it sometimes. Yeah, um, so I just didn't want to get a bunch of emails from the people that listen today or day before yesterday saying, you know, that word isn't even really a word. If that's really something that somebody would send as an email or a message, a direct message to us, then they can fuck off. Well, I probably would do something like that. You know like what? if it were me listening to it. Really? Maybe not. I don't know. You do, bit, but no, it, like it's it's the stupid stuff when it comes to language that you bitch about. Like if a person is, you know, you say I'm good, you know, 
as opposed to saying I'm doing well, you know, or something like that. You you complain about people's, you know, be, because you do get a little bit, you know, pedantic, pedantic. when it comes to yeah. yeah. You know where I was going. <laughs> yeah, I. But I I mean I don't know. I sent an email to the publisher of this uh, dictionary. And I told them that they used the wrong word because they had a picture of a trebuchet and they had it next to catapult and they called it a catapult. Well, a trebuchet is not a catapult. So I fucking wrote a letter to the dictionary telling them, you know, you it's, guess. Good, it's good to know that when you're trying to, to transform the world into a world that would really be just and like, you know. That you 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 pick the battles that are really meaningful. Well, here's the thing, yeah. though, is that if you know revolution actually happens, and I say, "Hey, go over there and get that trebuchet," and they look at me and they're like, um, yeah, I, "I only certain, I only see a catapult." I'm certain that those types of things will be used yeah. in our revolution, That's... whether it be a catapult or. So, I mean, if you, you've gone, I mean, as you're being pedantic, what's the difference between a catapult and a trebuchet then? So a catapult, you pull the arm down and there's like a trigger mechanism that will release the arm and it springs upward and then launches whatever. A trebuchet is more where it uses like gravity. So you have the bucket down below and then say buckets attached to it and then when you want to release you pull it and those buckets come down and swing what they were the using arm it, up. it's what they were using to throw the rocks in uh the last castle to uh the the second lord of, lord of the rings fellowship of the rings one too they were, oh, I don't they, know. but it's like yeah that's what creates the like you said what creates the uh the force is your, something that's really heavy dropping that causes that to throw that, which is, like you said, different than uh, I had no fucking idea. Now, maybe I can use the word trebuchet properly and understand the <laughs> distinction between catapult and trebuchet. Well, and then, like I said, it's going to be important in the revolution. It will be. Are we going to have some gray poop on in the revolution as well? <laughs> or are we just going to have regular old fucking mustard? That's correct. All right, good talk. Mustard. Carry on. It's good with me. Carry on, my wayward son. Okay, so entertainment. Because um, taxes are really fucking entertaining. Yeah. Let me tell you. Absolutely. So this one was kind of tough because you really had to, I guess, think outside of the box to think of entertainment. It started that way, but after a while, I mean, there's no, there's no, other than Untouchables, that whole movie, like, it unintentionally is driven by taxes. Yes, but other ones, it's always like these ancillary details, like in the in the accountant. Like, it, is the accountant really about an accountant? No. Well, and we'll get in. We'll get into that more. You know. But right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I couldn't think of any. Like I said, I was joking around saying we're gonna have to do you know, Red Fox stuff and and Willie Nelson and and guys that had their shit taken away by the IRS. Um. Well, I didn't know that until today. I mean, I, I am, I'm one an idiot because I love Willie Nelson. Dude. Did you did you read about it? It's fucking hilarious. Dude. Well, dude, it fucking sucks. Like they stole all of his shit except he had his daughter ship his guitar to him. He was in Hawaii 
and he had his daughter ship his guitar to him because he was afraid they were going to auction that also. Mm -hmm. But they auctioned his ranch, his house, basically everything, and he still wasn't paid up. So he decides to cut an album, and the IRS signed off on the fucking contract. That's what made me laugh so yes. fucking hard, because they literally were like, okay, if you cut an album and you sell X, X number of albums, then you'll make $12 million, and you will be out of debt with the IRS. Because it's like that's because that's how music works, right? Is that you cut an album and you can project, you know, the selling of four million. Well, they had calculated though exactly what would be owed because like the record company Sony took, um, thirty percent, I think, and yeah, I'm sure they did the math, but it's still a dumb fuck thing. Oh, though. it's fucking horrible. But he only ended up paying them three point six million. But luckily, his uh, from, from that album, that's right? What, what he made. $3.6 million. Yeah. Um, his lawsuit from, because he was suing Price Waterhouse Coopers because they fucked him over too, uh, that helped him pay off the rest of the back taxes. Because at one point, I think he owed him $16 million or some shit. That was before, I mean, that was before the original auction. Because when he came in to talk to him, he, he owed him $12 million still at that point when they were cutting the album. What the fuck was that? I'm trying to. But remember. this part I didn't know. Did you know that the all of the fucking farmers and shit like came up and like bought his ranch and his house for him because of all of the stuff he does with farm aid and everything? Well, dude, you can't say a, a bad thing about if you say something bad about Willie Nelson, then you're a cockbag. I mean, or you know. A super fucking cunt because he, you know, he he loves people. He's a he's a real fucking human being. Uh, it's fucking the IRS tapes. Cool, buy my memories. <laughs> that was the name of the album. I mean, him. He just cut a song with Billy Strings uh, recently uh, for his 90th birthday. Just happened a couple days ago. I mean, Willie Nelson's a. He's done a lot for people, so they. It does not surprise me one single bit that, that that these folks would come come to bat for him without even you know sneeze. Well, know? on the music website that I read that though, I'm not sure how credible they actually are. So I'm not sure. I mean, that's I'm a really nice. That's a really nice story, and it probably did happen because he does do a lot of work with Farm Aid. I think even though he's pushing ninety or just turned ninety, he probably still does Farm Aid every year, but. I don't know. Like, I remember hearing everybody say Willie Nelson lost his fucking land. They took everything from him, you know. But I don't ever remember hearing, oh, did you hear they gave everything back? <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, if, if they're going to get by it and give it back, they got to be careful about that. Because until the, they could just go and fucking take it back from them again. And then they could fucking swap some crazy, or sm the IRS could slap some crazy, uh, Fines and shit like that on the people that are trying to help them in the meantime. Right. But yeah, I mean, but don't fuck with the mythology. Let let the mythology roll. Okay, I apologize. Sorry, Willie. Um, but then you know, like Red Fox, and I didn't hear any good stories with Red Fox, other than you know, he just got his shit taken. Um. He just didn't pay taxes like Willie. I didn't pay taxes. Yeah. Uh, well, Willie had a good excuse for it. Like, his manager just hadn't been paying the taxes. And then he hired Price Waterhouse Coopers because they were going to put money into a tax shelter 
But then after he did that, the IRS deemed that tax shelter illegal. So he ended up getting fucked on that too. So he was operating under the assumption that his original manager was doing. Paying all of these taxes starting in like 1972, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, So he, it wasn't like he was trying to avoid not paying. Mm -hmm. He was giving the money to his manager and his manager just wasn't paying it. Um, And then that tax shelter thing happened. So he ended up owing him a lot of money. But I think Red Fox just wasn't paying him. Right. Sanford and Son. And I'm sure he had to make a good amount of money off of that show. Um, He was kind of a funny motherfucker back then. Plus, back then he had, you know, because stand-up comedians, there was no such thing as a CD or even a fucking... Cassette tape. You had to have a show or something. Well, they were cutting fucking regular albums, you know, like who what is to that? Seventy two. Who listened to a music LP? You know, I mean a a, a stand up comedian's LP. I think a lot of people did. Um, I don't see him at like the you know when I go to like Goodwill and like see all the shit that's I never see a I never seen a Red Fox one. I I think that I've seen a Richard Pryor one, maybe. You remember that kid we went to high school with? Uh, he and his brother were in a band, and every once in a while they'd play at Herman's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, he and his family had shitloads of albums, music, his dad everything. Was cool. And his his dad, he had all kinds of fucking albums. Like one of them, um, one of the stand-up comedians he had. I had no idea the guy was even a a stand-up comedian. You remember there was this dude called. The Cajun Chef. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a show on PBS where he'd do, yeah, they cook him sometimes. He was a stand-up comedian? Fuck yeah, dude had his album. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And I listened to it for a little while, but, you know, I've got attention deficit disorder, so I can, like, sit down there in the basement for too long. But Throw an H in there, too, brother. You know, it's hyper, you know. Am I hyper? No, it was hyperattention or attention hyper deficit. Just say ADHD. That's where it comes. Attention deficit hyper disorder. I think is the way they put it. Oh well, I just know that I can't sit around for too long. Yeah, you mean, but but you're fo- but I don't know. You're focused ish. You get. I mean, you, you get you get focused long enough to write a fucking uh, letter to a dictionary maybe, maybe about that's the, the hyper misuse part. of about the misuse of fucking catapult. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, when I think about those kids, I think about the Tangent City kids, you know? I guess I shouldn't say, because I've never been diagnosed. I just know that if something doesn't catch my attention, then I have a really fucking hard time sitting there listening to it. Um, so I thought it was cool that there was an album from the fucking Cajun Chef, but not cool enough for me to sit there and listen to it. Um, so, whatever. But... So Red Fox had albums. I don't know how well they sold, but the IRS fucked him over. Um, well, there there have been a ton of them. I mean, besides Willie and, and Red Fox, you know, I mean, people that our listeners have probably heard of, Wesley Snipes was one of them. Of course, I don't think he lost everything. But they came after him real fucking hard, too. He, did he spend time in jail, or did he just go on probation for a while? To be honest with you, I don't know a lot about the specifics. I just remember that, like, 
And he wasn't getting hired when he got in trouble, too. I mean, not that Wesley Snipes was ever, like, like the actor of a century. You know, he, he did good in Blade. Not not the second Blade, but the first and the third movies were good, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, what else did he, he... He did some... Was he in the score or something like that? Or Well, he did lots of... I mean, it's he all that did... action-adventure shit. Uh, Passenger... 67 yeah, which a they, really memorable film yeah. they did a fucking porn parody and called it passenger 69 yeah that was the writing was on the wall oh he did white man can't jump was funny demolition man was all right new jack city i guess okay that's a new jack city was an important movie you know i yeah. mean it was hollywood for sure you know i mean fucking iced tea standing over I want to kill you so bad, my dick's getting hard. Jesus Christ, dude. That's just not the best line in the world. But Ice-T, you know, he was, he's a lot better on uh, when he was a, had a lesser role in the special victims unit or whatever the thing, the the Law & Order one. It was Law & Order that he ended up on, right? But he's been in some other shitty movies that you've probably never heard of, too. I, I'm sure you're right about that, because as I look right here, yeah, Tank Girl, Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, he was in special. He was in special victims unit for a long time, but like no other. All the other movies are like, yeah, shit. That I I have no fucking idea. But you sort of went sideways with that one. Now you're talking about Ice T's movies, and we were talking about Wesley Snipes. Well, because I was giving shit to him. No, I gotcha. When he was standing over, uh, but again, well, I I had to give Wesley Snipes. Ice T is worse than Wesley Snipes. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> Well, but I think Wesley Snipes got truly fucked by the IRS compared to, like, Nicolas Cage. I remember reading this thing in the news, and Nicolas Cage was complaining that he had to sell, like, art and his collectibles in order to pay his back taxes. Now... Art and his collectibles? Right. If you're so fucking rich that that's your concern with paying the IRS then I don't really feel bad for you. Well, he was kind of, I mean, he was in, what's his name? He was in the, uh, he was born into this anyway. He was yeah, because he's Francis Ford Coppola's oh. nephew. And actually in Fast Breaks, or Fast Break at Ridgemont High, right? Yeah. Um, he's on the, in the credits as Nicholas Coppola. He's not, as Nicolas Cage on the, the credits. But, whatever. So, obviously, there are actors that have gotten fucked over, and that you've probably heard of. I know of at least a couple of people that the IRS has fucked over. So, Wesley Snipes, at the very end of this, uh, he made excuses suggesting that the IRS was an illegitimate uh, government agency, and where it ends up at is the excuses weren't enough to dodge a conviction on the charge of not filing a tax return, and Snipes received a three-year prison sentence for his malfeasance. I thought he went to yeah. prison for a while. What? Because he was telling him, you know, he was saying, fuck you, you know? I always wonder, like, so when Mike Tyson went to prison, I'm pretty sure that Mike Tyson could get away with a lot of shit. You know, he's a big dude, knows how to box. Plus, a lot of those people within prison probably look up to Tyson on on some level. Wesley Snipes, though, I don't know if he's got the same street cred as Tyson or the same ability to, like, 
defend himself. I think that probably somebody inside would just walk up to him and laugh that somebody that had seen like Blade One or Blade Three, you know, and be like, "Motherfucker, I know you can't fight like this, and I'm gonna kick your ass one time to right. just demonstrate that you don't know how to do any of that shit." Some like Mike good. Tyson really punched people, you know. Yeah. Every time I think about Mike Tyson, I always think about that consent joke. That's 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 a really bad joke. <laughs> I always think of the telephone joke. Fee five, bo bo fee. Consent on my hands. Consent on my mouth. Not not good. Not good. So top ten tax dodgers according to this Time article: Lauren Hill, Al Capone, Wesley Snipes, Pete Rose, Willie Nelson, Richard Hatch, Leona Helmsley. O.J. Simpson, Dionne Warwick, that fucking song is like one of the worst songs in the history of the world, Sinbad, Sinbad and Walter Anderson. So. so Leona Helmsley doesn't have shit to do with entertainment. Um, she was just a slumlord. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they Pete do. Rose, you know, there was another, Daryl Strawberry was another baseball guy that was a huge tax dodger too. Um, but one of them on there, Walter Anderson is not a, I mean, he, he was a, a telecommunications mogul. But a lot of those guys are, you know, a lot of them. Well, there's a few of them, at least. Pete, Pete Rose is, an, it, it, it's still entertainment. Not, I mean, bet, betting on sports, you know. Well, and he probably did it for different reasons than Daryl Strawberry did. Daryl Strawberry did it probably to pay for crack. And Pete Rose did it to pay for gambling. I mean, either way, they're paying for a vice. But that isn't fucking a joke, dude. That was, like, serious. Strawberry, as good as he was, like, when I had his rookie card, my uncle told me this is going to be worth so much money. Because at the time, I mean, he was amazing. And then all of a sudden, I think the Mets cut him. And next thing you know, there's stories about him fucking, I think, mugging people and just full-on crackheads. So he goes from, like, this all-star to nothing. It was kind of disappointing. Yeah, he did, he did not play. He played from – well, he, he came back into the league because he played – he was involved from 83 to 99. I don't think he was playing all that time, though. And I'm sure when the Mets got rid of him, it was say la vie. And it doesn't look like he, he got any more awards. The 80s were really good for him. But, oh, that's right. He came back in with the Yankees and was like like he came off the bench hitting home runs for him and stuff. That was that really good Yankees team when nobody – Scott Brocious and all those guys. Okay, we're going off the rails again. Yes, indeed. Okay, so um, let's – talk i don't know books movies i mean i've got this book that i really wanted to talk about that has to do with taxes and that's called tax code 2023 really <laughs> I, 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 I was reaching for a razor and I, and I was gonna run into the bathroom and start the hot water running no but i kind of thought maybe i would pretend like i was reading something and do like the fucking um ben stiller's voice from Ferris Bueller, you know. That's that's not. That's no, not, not Ben Stiller. That's uh, Ben Stein, I think. It is Ben Stein. Um, I don't know why I said but Ben Stein. But that would be a good tax code reading voice. Yeah. Yeah. Put you straight to sleep. That ladies like. 
laying on the table. Something D-O-O economics. Voodoo economics. Voodoo economics. Um, so the touch, Untouchables, that, that, that's a good place to start. You like the Untouchables? I really liked it when I was a teenager. Um, but I had, I got to a point where I quit watching it and it's after they kill Sean Connery. I just couldn't watch it anymore. Um, because it's hokey at the end? Because when he throws him off the, uh, the roof and he's falling down through the... I mean, just I I think that out of all of those characters, and I don't know if his character was based on real life or not. Obviously, Elliot Ness was, yes. Al Capone was, but there was just something like the way that he he spoke, and it was there was something about his character that I liked, and when he was done, then it was just Kevin Costner playing L.A. and us, and it just... Yeah, you don't even see GS, pay for a Giuseppe very after Right, you know? it just wasn't as as good. Like um, Andy's film. But, it was a great movie. From the perspective of having to find a movie that has to do with taxes. It's, it's a, it, Brian, Brian De Palma directed it. it. It's a very Brian De Palma film. Like, just the the, way, the graininess of it reminds me of Scarface on a lot of levels, you know. Um, well, but, when De Niro beats that fucker with the baseball bat, that's De Palma. That's the that's the scene that I always remember as a kid, you know, when he fucking teamwork, you know, whack, and then he's just lying there, and the blood's just spreading out on the white tablecloth. Yeah, I mean, that yes, Brian De Palma all the way, you know, not quite. Uh, the bathroom with the uh, um, the chainsaw, not quite that, but you know, definitely in your face enough to to speak the the Brian De Palma language. Uh, Andy Stone when he's at the bottom, they catch the kid. You know, they're trying to get the, uh, the Stone the Garcia. Gar Stone is Garcia. Oh, he, okay. he plays his his character's Sorry. name is Andy Stone, but he had changed his name from, from... Petra Giuseppe. Because he didn't want to be associated with the Italians because of the mob in Chicago, right? Uh, it's a great shot, but uh, like very Hollywood, that scene, you know, I mean, Elliot Ness, uh, Kevin Costner is running down trying to catch the kid. Fucking bullets are flying through the kid's carriage, you know, just like above him when the kid's smiling the whole time. You know, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, there's a, there's a degree of hokiness in that, but they catch it and you got him? Yeah, I got him. One, two, and then he's got a hole in the back of his head. You know, you said the Italian thing, mm -hmm. like he didn't want to be associated with Italians, mm -hmm. and it reminded me that during that time frame, the the United States, if you weren't a wasp, they were probably against you. Yeah. And, and the Italians were a huge yeah. part of that population. So... And, you know, Sean Connery says, leave it to a WAP to bring a knife to a gunfight. He didn't say it exactly like that. It was more like, leave it to a WAP to bring a knife <laughs> to a gunfight. So, so he says that, and that kind of talks about just the, the overall way 
we looked at Italians, and when I say we, I don't mean Darren and and me because we weren't born oh, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there were ghetto communities. Certain people lived in certain areas. Yeah, there were there were huge prejudices. Yeah, back and forth across them. You know. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. Well, and when I told you because I finally read that entire Small Dones book, um, they talked about some of the prejudice that happened to them but then there were also i mean they talked about the vigilante crew that went down to the new arapaho county jail and fucking hung all of those italians because they thought that they had done something wrong what, what so, was that what i didn't i don't i don't know this what and i should have said hanged um well they were well hung you know they went down to the new Arapahoe County Jail, and it's obviously not where it is now, out by Dove Valley. Um, if I had to guess, I would say it was the one that was on Littleton Boulevard yeah, right main, there. Where, where it splits into Main Street on that stuff, yeah. Um, but I don't know for sure, because when I went to elementary school, that's where the Arapahoe County Jail still was. And there was this big-ass oak tree that had grown up over the fence, and like... Every day in school, the alarm would go off because at least one person had broken out of jail. Really? Yeah, all the time. Um, they needed to get So I don't know if that's where it was for sure or not. Or it could have been sighted at that location and they had just changed some of the security features, like the tree, whatever. But yeah, so something happened, I think... Somebody got killed, and they blamed it on an Italian, and that Italian went to jail. Um, no, there was a lot of death going on. I probably need to read the book again, because I can't remember exactly what happened that triggered this vigilante force, but it was a lot of people that went down to Arapahoe County to get these Italians out of jail. But the only reason I mentioned it was because... That was the way, the yeah, I mean, it was, it was like the, the Chinese in the 1800s and the, the Irish, the Irish in the early 1900s. Yeah. And then, you know, two decades later, the Italians. Well, even, even the Irish in the 1840s, because there was a, so when the potato famine happened, you know, I mean, and there's that San Patricio Corps stuff where, uh, all the Irish that went and joined the military because they didn't have a lot of opportunities. Otherwise during the Mexican American war. Uh, the Mexicans very intelligently leafleted uh, the area where U.S. soldiers were at and told Irish uh, soldiers that if they defect and come over to the, the side and help them fight, then uh, they would give them land. They would, you know. Does that them... mean there were Mexicans way back then? Yes, yes. Wow. So they, they that, that I can't remember what the guy's name was, but uh, it, it ended up the San Patricio Corps, St. Patrick Corps, you know, I mean. All of these Irish is defect and defected, and there's these arguments that were made in a couple of books that um, when I was taking Nick's class back then, that were that were made that had they not gone, uh, the war the war would have been done in a month and a half to two months. But they they told them what the U.S.'s strategies were, and they helped them to con to develop a strategy that was more like 19th century, you know, that, to where they could fend off, and it ended up turning into a two-year war. And the ones that they so they, they end up when they march in on Mexico City. Uh, they did some really horrible things to those white people. They, they, they hung some of them. They put uh, 
they they branded their head branded their heads with deserter or something like that a d or something like that and they took some back to the u.s and did the same thing publicly here to send a message so yeah those those ghetto concepts were people that were not part of you know that uh accepted if things had changed and i don't want to talk too much about the the war then but i mean if if it would have been the reverse then the irish would have had it kind of cozy down there i mean because the mexicans are catholic the irish are catholic i mean so there's this thing where that community is already kind of self-built it's already there um where here you know you got to be a fucking wasp in order to be welcomed um otherwise you're going to be polishing the fucking silver or yeah, some or shit digging the trains like they were in the, in the military right they all did the shit work it that that, that is an interest that is an interesting point but you know when you think about mexico and on those time periods the one thing that they had working against them is not all of them were so the you had you had the the, the people that were tied to spain so catholicism comes from there but you still had all these indigenous populations like the zapatistas the down in chiapas and there were like 56 languages that were spoken in Mexico during that time period because there's so many different indigenous people that are living there. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. Like you look into it deep, there's a lot more going on with their so it's not like it was a cohesive unit. I mean, I guess that's that's the point. Had it been a cohesive unit, they would have been a better fighting group, but it didn't play out like that. So um having said that, so <laughs> what I mean some of the other tax movies which you know we came up with Actually, Darren came up with the Blues Brothers, which I would have <laughs> never fucking thought about. We're on a mission from God. Um, because what it had to have been state because they were talking about property Even taxes property on tax. the orphanage, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, the, their orphanage was called. Uh, I know this is really, really, really important, but uh, because I figured I'd better figure it out. Uh, Helen of the Blessed Shroud Orphanage. That's where Jake and Elwood grew up at. And they went to go see, after Jake gets out of jail, they go see the penguin. Yeah, and she smacks him around a couple of times with her fucking telescoping. It wouldn't have been called a baton back then. Well, I guess it is a baton. but She starts with the ruler and then she moves on to the harder stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so... The Blues Brothers, I love that movie. And and the movie, you know, again, small part that has to do with taxes. Most of it is, you know, white supremacists chasing Jake and Elwood around. Uh, Carrie Fisher is chasing Jake and Elwood around. Jake specifically because he, he left her at the altar. So <laughs> um, or didn't show up when she was standing there at the altar. Cowboy Bob or the, the hillbillies are chasing Jake and Elwood around. Or, or all of the Blues Brothers at that point. Those are the main groups that well, are the chasing, Illinois, right? Illinois police. Oh, yeah, yeah. the cops. Yeah. Both Chicago Police Department and Illinois Police, I assume. You don't really know. It just is like one of those movies where it just says police on the side of it. So I don't think they're really trying to spend much time thinking about jurisdiction. But that's not one of those movies that you want to watch for the acting necessarily or even the storyline. Yeah. But the music is... Well, it's it's awesome. It's blues. Yeah, you got John Lee Hooker, Aretha Franklin, James Brown, Ray Charles, Shaka Khan does a vo- a, a, so- a solo vocal part in it. 
Really? Yeah. I I can't remember that part. There's a ton of shit. It's it's in the. I think if I remember correctly, when I was reading about it, because I didn't know until I went back and reread it, I didn't recognize who it was. But uh, it was uh, during the when they're at the church. I think. Yeah. Yeah. When they're at the church, and there's the other. Well, it had to be solos. either the church or. The fucking restaurant where you bet I mean, it had to be one of them. About what you're trying to do with me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that Blues Brothers 2000. They had a lot of motherfuckers on that, dude. A ton. Um, yeah. And again, it wasn't the storyline, it was the music. Um, but we don't need to talk about Blues Brothers 2000 because we were just talking about the the first one, and obviously they couldn't do a sequel really because John Belushi had died. Um, I think everybody really kind of criticized Dan Aykroyd for even trying to make a sequel because he pulled in. Um, John Goodman was in it. Yeah, John Goodman was the one he pulled in, and then they had some little kid with him. But um, one of their kids. Well, it wasn't a kid. It was another kid from the orphanage. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I mean, they managed to pull it off. But I don't think you can say the Blues Brothers without John Belushi. Now, no, maybe I, that's not, just not me. A, not in a real, anything that you're bringing in. It's, but I mean, whatever, like you said there, if you're going to do it, you have to really emphasize the music really, really hard. And they did a good job of that. The soundtrack was very good. There were a lot of people that, you know. Fucking Erica Badu was in it. Um, there was a I remember fucking John, I remember ton. John Popper was in it, but. John Popper. Yeah, yeah he played an um, Amish dude. Did he? I don't think I ever. I think I only listened to the soundtrack. I don't think I ever actually watched the movie. Um, I, I Kenny Kenny Wayne Shepherd was in it, I think, or it might have been the other one. Kid Johnny Lang. It was Johnny Lang. Kid Johnny Lang. Um, I think I like Kenny Wayne Shepherd better. They should have put him in there. But it was it was just chock full. So even if you BB, don't watch BB either King. movie. Lonnie Brooks, a lot of motherfucking good musicians. Nia, Nia Peebles, that's funny. She played one of the cops. Of course, Matt Guitar Murphy's back in there again because uh, he's his, he's the guitar player for the band. Aretha Franklin was back in it. Travis oh, Tritt was in it. That's right, I forgot about that, yeah. Um, Paul Schaefer from David Lang. Letterman show. Oh, that's cool. Wilson Pickett was in it. Steve Lawrence again. There's John Popper, Bobby Sheehan, who's also Brendan Hill. All the people from Blues Travelers, it looks like, was in it. Yeah, there were a lot of motherfuckers in that in that on that soundtrack. And they and at the end, I did I did remember seeing the end somewhere. They have everybody out on the stage, don't they? So yeah. All those people. Because so. they do kind of a cut and head type thing. Um, so the Blues Brothers get up and do their thing. And then this other band gets up, and the other band wins. But then everybody comes up, and they all play together. So that's it's a, it's a competition that they're blues brothers. That's the yeah, what a goofy fucking movie. Um, yeah, but like you said, you don't watch it. You don't watch it for the. You watch it to listen to the music. You don't watch it to because it's gonna like open your eyes up to the wonderful. And that goes for either one of them. Yeah, yeah, they're not. 
I remember a hundred years ago, um, I ate some fascist pigs, and uh, I was watching the Blues Brothers in the part where um, Carrie Fisher uh, shoots the building with the missile, and the building all falls down, and they're underneath all the bricks. I remember like they were all crawling out of the bricks, and I was laughing so hard because, uh, well, when you're, you're, when, you're on three, yeah, when you're on three hits of acid, yeah, it, it kind of messes up your visuals a little bit. So, having said that. Um, so another movie that probably, wait, wait, wait. Oh, sorry. I forgot this is important. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We've got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. That would have been a lot better if you didn't write it down. Dude, I can't fucking remember all that shit. My brain hurts. And they didn't know that I wrote it down. Oh, Why sorry. Why you got to sell me out, bitch? All right. Next, my bad. My bad. No. no, I was just going to say another movie that probably isn't great as far as filmmakers are concerned is Happy Gilmore. And that is, again, property taxes because for his mom's house, or they're taking like his, grandma's, his house. grandma's house away in Waterbury, Mass. Um, actually, they took it away, but he has the opportunity to buy it back at auction so he thinks he's gonna you know get a good deal because it's auction instead of actually paying back all of the taxes which that isn't the way that shit works anyway because if it did, had auctioned they would have still given her a bill for whatever was left but um so he ends up sort of stumbling into playing golf because the movers are moving all of her shit out of the house and his granddad's old golf clubs are there and the movers are fucking around with the clubs. And he's like, why don't you guys get back to work? And they make a bet that he can't drive it. I can't even remember how far it was, but he ends up yards. he ends up going way past that and like hitting the fucking neighbor in a window like clear down three blocks he down does or whatever. You run up to it where he yeah. smacks it, just like the kids do in uh, the stupid Fifty uh, First Dates when they're in Hawaii. Yeah, to pay homage to to the wonderful genius of Happy Gilmore. And let's be clear, Happy Gilmore is all about this incredibly intelligent individual that just. Like, he's got it all mentally going for him. Well, he wanted to be a hockey player. He's dumber than a box of rocks. I mean, he is not. Are you thinking of the water boy? I mean, they're basically no, the same movie. He, he's almost always dumber than a box of rocks in those movies. He plays a stupid person, you know? I mean, at least not a very intelligent person. Yeah. Or has a unique kind of intelligence. That might be a better way to put it. He's definitely not driven. Yeah. Like the reason his uh, girlfriend leaves him at the beginning of the movie uh-huh. is because she's tired of him going and trying out for hockey all the time. And she's like, you know, there's one problem. You're not any good. And then he ends up being this badass golfer. But Kind of like what happens with him in the wedding singer. So these are like patterns, you know. You're just not a good, you know, you're not a good singer-songwriter. You're not a good hockey player. You're not, you know. You're not a Billy good. Madison, he's, he's stupid in that too, isn't he? Super fucking stupid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I don't know. boy, you can't even fucking talk, if I remember correctly. He's got like a stutter. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm making fun of you too, Joe Biden. 
I'm making fun okay, of people's stuff. Okay, so there is an Adam Sandler formula. He probably developed it because he's like, wow, Happy Gilmore did really fucking good. So let's take out football or let's take out golf and put in football. Okay, now we got the water boy. Let's take out sports and put in music. Now we got the wedding singer. Um, let's take out some girl you've never heard of and put in Drew Barrymore. And then all of a let's sudden, let's just leave Drew Barrymore there for a little <laughs> while because he really likes getting paid to give kisses to Drew Barrymore. Well, I'm sure that she's a fucking draw. I mean, I'm guessing she helped the box office performance. I'm sure it didn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so, I mean... Does he get the house back? I can't remember. I'm sure he gets the house back. It's all the same fucking movie, so he gets the house back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and he does, but he doesn't win the golf tournament because he can't putt, right? Or something stupid like that? No, he won the golf tournament because uh, Action Jackson... That's right. That He got his hand bit off by an alligator or something like that. Yeah. Was his, his golf coach... Action Jackson... But he ended up dying. Carl, Carl Weathers. Um, but he, he comes and talks to him as an angel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't watched that movie for a long time. It's and he had to do movie. this weird fucking thing. Like he bounced it off of the windshield of a Volkswagen and up this thing and down this pipe. And it finally came out on the other side and went looked right like in. something that you do it like a fucking putt-putt golf thing. Yeah, exactly. So he did end up winning, and he made all of the money and, and got the house back, and they lived happily ever after in Happy Gilmore. That was great. But loosely, it would be nice if they had, like, an Adam Sandler movie that, like, ended tragically, you know? Like, he walks in to go get and retrieve his golf ball, and he gets mauled by a fucking alligator, too. Something like that. I was going to say they all start off tragically. When people go and buy tickets to it. But I don't even know if people buy tickets to movies anymore. Because um, I think all of Adam Sandler's movies, whether he's in them or just producing them, are all on Netflix now. So you can't see a Netflix movie at the theater, can you? I know that Okja one was what one? some fucking, I think it's about a hippo or... Some big fat ass animal, and that was one of his. No, no, that's that's a Netflix movie. Okay. I think oh, that was at the theater. That's the Korean. That's the Korean. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but you can't go see Netflix movies for the most part, can you? I I I don't know what their their pattern is, but uh, the gems one that he did, the more serious one, I think that went straight to Netflix. I think you're probably right on that. No, it's it's a lot like stand-up comedy, dude. You know how Chappelle and all of these other guys are doing Netflix specials? It's because Netflix is, I mean, anything with the little N up in the corner when you're on Netflix is a Netflix show or movie, whatever. Original? Yeah, and so those Netflix originals are straight to Netflix. You can't see those in a theater, I didn't think. The theater is pretty much dominated by, you know, Fox and Sony and, and those guys. I don't think you can see an Amazon Prime original at the theater either. Uncut Gems was the movie I was talking about. I'm trying to see if there was actually a box office. Because I, what I remember is what I think you're saying. 
budget 19 million. No, they, it, it, no, it, it's got a box office. I don't remember because it seemed like it was right in, like it was on Netflix like immediately. Whatever, we'll have to look deeper into that one and figure it out later. You might, you're probably right. So, yeah, I don't even know what box office means anymore. Yeah, because it's fucking expensive to go see movies too, dude. Well, there's that, but I mean, seriously, like, you know, we used to call them straight to video, mm -hmm. and even if they were straight to video, there there was still a box office number showing some kind of sales. Mm -hmm. So maybe, however, Netflix calculates their like shit. They give them yeah, royal x amount of royalties for x amount y amount of watches or something like that. Yeah, and they divide it, and that's the box office. I don't know how it works. Okay, so. What was another one that you came up with for for taxes? I know you were watching Shawshank, and I guess with the money laundering and shit like that, you could kind of say. Well, the initial moment where, so remember when they're standing on the 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 top of that? It's so they pay to go and do the the they're fixing the top of that roof with tar, right? Um, the the initial moment where. Um, he says the IRS allows for a one-time. Oh, yeah, the thirty the, he, $35,000. Yeah, $35,000. Lawyer's a bunch of ball-washing bastards. Yeah, so he tells that to Hadley. And uh, Hadley clearly went and told the warden, this guy's got some skills. We might be able to get some scratch out of him. So they start with the fucking, uh, the, they send the guy down, and he helps him to set up the trust. But after that, he does all their taxes. He well, The first year, he does half the taxes for the people of Shawshank. Second year, he does all the taxes. The third year, they say that they set up all the intramural sporting events from other prisons' guards. So, like, the prison guards from over at this prison would come and play softball against them. They'd bring their fucking tax forms. And I'm sure, like, Hadley, you know, if it costs just, you know, $17 to go see an accountant, you, you pay $3, and this guy will do it for you. And Hadley's pocketing it all. Hadley and the uh, warden, what what the fuck is the warden's name? I can't remember his name. But either way, the warden are... are uh, Taking, making all the money, taking all the scratch of out of it. Yeah, Norton, Warden Norton. Um, but uh, and then it turns into the extortion thing, where I mean, and it's interesting because some of the stuff that we talked about with regards to prisons and like free labor. I mean, this is it, uh, Andy goes in in 1947, and they've all been in there for forever. You know, Brooks and Red and all them. Um, but this uh, pattern of extracting value from them at a hyper cheap price is something that they had institutionalized it looks i mean i assume a long time ago and this is taking place in maine uh and i definitely have a uh, perfect faith in the ability of those northerners to uh see a fucking financial angle and shoot it as hard as it could possibly be during that time period so yeah then he comes in he invents the uh, social security numbers they get social security numbers the ids and all that kind of stuff which of course plays out really good for andy at the end because then he can go take all the checks and cash them and whatnot and uh send all the information to the uh whatever the local newspaper where they blow the fucking uh, yeah would you mind dropping this in your mail yeah <laughs> in your yeah. outgoing mail so i mean it definitely has a ton of different tax concepts that, that play into it so i i kind of had forgotten about the doing the guards taxes mm -hmm. thing but yeah See, I never would have thought of that as a fucking tax movie either. Well, I mean, but that was a larger part of it than the Waterboy or Blues Brothers, either one. Yeah, it's literally just the thing that sets what sets what is, what was it in Waterboy? 
The same kind of thing? No, the property. Uh, not Waterboy. I I always well, okay, happy, happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just the plot mover. It like sets everything in motion, you know. Whereas with and it does that for Andy too, but because he's a banker, they just use the fact that he's a banker and basically suggest that he's an accountant and you know knows all these things about financial trends. You know, it's it's a it's a wonderful film too. I know I said that the last time we talked about it when we talked about prisons, but it really is probably in my top five for sure. Yeah, I like that movie. I've watched it so many times that I've kind of had to lay off. Like the last few times where it's been on HBO or sh- or on Netflix or whatever, like I see that it's there and I'm like, cool, it's there. And then I just like drive right by it. Like I don't stop and, and watch it just because I'm like, I don't know if I can fucking watch it again. Yeah. The only reason why I watched it today was because I had I knew I had to get those parts right. I wanted to get the thirty five thousand part right. I wanted to look at all the the intramural stuff, how how that ended up building into what it was you ended up using them for. Do you trust your wife? <laughs> she wouldn't go behind your back and hamstring you. <laughs> Are you giant motherfucker? Um. So then, and this one is also about laundering and and hiding money. You were watching the firm. Yeah, well, and, and there, how he ends up down there, it, like, it, as a movie, like, I think The Firm is horrible. Like, it really is not a good movie, you know? I mean, Wilford Brimley is the is the heavy hitter, you know, for your law firm that's going to come and fucking kill you. And these other two old guys, one, you know, one of them that's a fucking albino, and then other ones, the other one's a little short and fat guy. I mean, like, however it was that they they decided to to go about picking them as their heavy hitters. But having said that, because of the fact that, um, sorry, I'm kind of. No, it always made me laugh too, because, and none of our listeners, or, or most of them probably don't know that Wolford Brimley is the fucking oatmeal guy. I think he's. Which, who would even know that? I mean, even right. now, if you, if you said that he's an oatmeal guy, still, our generation's going to know that. He hasn't been, the, he died for fucking ever, ever ago. Well, his last job, I think, was doing, like, Liberty Mutual commercials or some shit, <laughs> some fucking insurance company. He died in 2020. I didn't realize that. Um, but, yeah, I, John Grisham, like, based on the movie The Firm, I didn't like, like, I almost didn't watch A Time to Kill or The Chamber or... Because they were written by Grisham. Because yeah, the firm sucked so fucking bad that I was like, ah, I don't know. I'm and I watched the other one. Time to kill was good. Man. Fuck yeah, it was great. Um, fucking Samuel Jackson just has some classic fucking scenes, dude. The Rainmaker was another good I've one. I never watched the Rainmaker, dude. I mean, that was fucking uh, Will Hunting when he was a little kid. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, yeah. Yeah, so it was directed by Sidney Pollack. Sidney Pollack was like uh, in the, you, you know, you know, I know who Pollack. he is. I, dude, yeah. I, I like him. Usually he's pretty thoughtful, but he did really shitty with this one. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, the Moralto crime family, that this firm that he ends up getting hired by, washes the money and does the taxes for all the people that are tied to this this uh, mob family out of Chicago. And when he comes in, there's all these you know signs that should have, you know been warning signs his wife janine triplett um abby mcdeer brings up all these points to him what is it that they're you know the family nobody's been divorced in the firm 
they're all white, you know, wasp men, you know, there was, have you ever had a woman? Well, we had a woman once, you know, I mean, there are all these warning signs that go up, but all you, you know, like most people, all you can see is the dollar signs and she, you know, she, because dollar signs are nice. She well, they sent him there. up with a fat ass pad too. They did, dude. Like, does he, I can't remember. Does he have the entire floor or just a corner of the floor? You mean where he's at? In the where firm? he lives in the movie, the firm. No, the, you're, you're crossing. Uh, he has a house in the firm. You're thinking of a, a devil's advocate. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's how awesome I am. That I can hear him say one thing and I know exactly what he's thinking about Mr. Guys. Because that was in New York, that was an awesome pad that they gave yeah. him to draw. I mean it's the same concept. We're a super huge firm that can do whatever the fuck we want. And they actually talk about tax law a bunch in uh Devil's Advocate too. They don't go into any specifics because it's really about being the Antichrist, you know. Yeah. So but having said that, this not the Shawshank or the uh, the firm, um, yeah, so he ends up, you know, they want him to, the FBI contacts him. They want him to roll. Uh, if you inform when you have attorney-client privileges, you lose your ability to practice law. And uh, there's this sort of, like, theme that goes on throughout the whole film where uh, part of what Mitchell McDeer, that he's an idealist. Him and, him and uh, um, Gene Hackman, Avery Toller, their character, and Avery's totally corrupted. Um, they have this conversation at the beginning, um, and... Uh, Toller's the mentor from Mitch McDeer. Uh, they're talking about, he asks uh, Tom Cruise's character why he became, wanted to become a lawyer. And uh, they end up coming to the realization that they're both idealists. But at that point in Avery Toller's, Avery Toller's career, they're so far down the line then, he, he maintains this idealist disposition in the back of his head, but he is totally fucking corrupted at this point. So he has, there's a certain amount of affection that he has for Cruz's character. Um, and this is the point that they sort of like try to echo throughout the whole, the whole movie that, that Tom Cruise believes in the rule of law. So he makes choices because he doesn't want to. He recorded uh, a conversation that he has with himself and the FBI, an FBI member played by Ed, Ed, Ed Harris named Wayne Terrence. Um, he says at the end of it, when everything resolves, they say to him, Ed Harris says to him, why didn't you go public with the tape? He said, you could have done that. He said, because it's against the law. So this is a point that they keep going back to over and over and over again. Um, they end up, he ends up fucking over the firm, but he doesn't do anything to the, uh, the crime family because for all intents and purposes, if he had done what he, they were asking him to do, he would have had to violate the law to go against the crime family. And that wasn't what he wanted. He wanted to pay homage to what it was that he believed in, which is, it's an interesting argument. It's not a very compelling argument in the real world because I don't know anywhere where I can find a lawyer or a tax person or anybody that functions in uh, private or public space that really honestly uh, has a commitment to the rule of law in a truly meaningful way. Was John Grisham a lawyer before he started I, writing books? I think he was because a lot like... all of his books are about attorneys. Yeah, I think he was a lot like... Um, the other guy that you don't like, the Hunt for October guy, the guy that wrote, wrote all the CIA Clancy. books. Yeah, Clancy. I think like Tom Clancy. And I don't I don't know how he could have done, because it's all lost stuff. I don't know how he could have done it otherwise. So what's his algorithm oh, here? He just, like, his stuff is always in the South. And, and I know Stephen King wasn't an attorney, but as a writer, he likes to do all of his stuff in New England. 
Um, so I think they generally stick to the region where they're from or that they're fond of or where they worked or whatever. Okay, so some interesting stuff. Okay, uh, John Grisham, a graduate of Mississippi State University and Ole Miss Law School. Grisham obtained a law degree in 1981, practiced law for about 10 years, specializing in criminal defense and personal injury litigation. He was elected to the Mississippi House of Representatives in 1983 and served until 1990. He gave his law practice to write full-time. He began writing in 1984, first novel, Time to Kill, so on and so forth. So he hit, he hit the ground running when it came to writing. It's that funny was, that that was his first book, was A Time to Kill, because the first movie was Firm. I thought. I, don't, I think A Time to Kill came out first. I'm pretty sure we can figure that out real quick, though. The firm is 93. Just be quiet. I'm, I'm Nine, trying. 90s, you're right, 96. It came out in 93. You're right. Yeah. And it was a horrible beginning. You're, you're right about that, too. I mean, it just. And like, I love Sidney Pollock. Like, Sidney, and he's like, as an actor, I love him. You know, he's done a lot of really good things as an actor. And generally, when he takes part, he's, a, he's produced a lot of films. You know, he produced a lot of Woody Allen films. He was in a lot. I mean, in the seventies, Cindy Pollock was or Sydney was huge. Um, you don't see him as much anymore. Yeah, maybe he's dead. He, I'm pretty know. sure. I'm pretty sure he's yeah he's vanished from the uh, the earth at this point in time. You know, since we're talking again, just entertainment in general. We were talking about the Green Book a while back. Two thousand eight. Um, the dude that that movie was about you know the the italian guy i knew he had played something well he was an actor who had been on a ton of shit but the stuff you will know him for he was carmine lupitazzi on the sopranos so uh carmine senior from the sopranos is the dude that really drove that guy around really yeah he wasn't that old when he did it, but that's crazy. Um, okay, so we're over an hour now. We're at an hour and two minutes. Do you want to shut this one down and, and start another one? Is there another movie you want to talk about real quick? No, we, we, we gotta, we'll, have, we'll have some other stuff to come back with. And we can kind of tangent all over the place. Then. Maybe this tax shit was rougher than i thought i mean both of them usually you can't fucking shut us up and like all of our fucking episodes are an hour and 18 hour and 20 <laughs> the tax ones were an hour and 11 and an hour and eight well two th two things that we haven't talked about yet that we'll have to talk about at least a little bit is we haven't talked about the account we haven't talked about say anything you know there are some other and that that is say anything is is a heavy-handed like tax evasion movie that you don't you know yeah, so where he ended up in prison. Um, okay, so we will shut this one down and open the new episode. So seven two zero three three four roll and short bus debate club at yahoo.com. Thanks. Soon, talk to you.